You're listening to Left of the Dial. I'm your host, Kitsy, and with me, as always, is the uncrashable Caleb Coy. <laughs> I told myself, like, this time I'm going to hold it together. I'm going to straight face this. You You're never not going to make me laugh. I never do. I always, I always think I can, but I can't. That's all. That's all. Oh, okay. hey, hi. Hi. Hello. Hi. How's it going? Hello. I was like, Welcome shit. I was like, shit, wait, which one of us talks? Uh, which podcast is this? <laughs> How do we, how do we, how do we pod, how do we cast a pod? It's, you know, it's our normal recording time, but it feels out of order because we did a different show earlier. Yeah. Oh, that really messed me up. Uh, so this is, this is left of the dial. We are a music podcast. That's true. Uh, Well, we are, we are individual people, but together we, (laughs) we, we make up a music podcast. With our powers combined, or at least with our audio combined. With our audio combined, we are music podcast. <laughs> so speaking of hey. music, hey, hey, hey! Bef- before we get into the episode, oh, I just want to—I want to congratulate you on a, a very recent, uh, wonderful thing. Well done on the execution of the first Left of the Dial live. Hey, thank you. Yes, not. Not being in Philadelphia to help help hands on, I had to watch from afar. But the the audio was go- was you know crystal clear. Your studio is gorgeous. Well Thank done you. on Thank that. You. And of course, big shout out to Riverbee for being the the first band to perform at it, and they did a fantastic job, especially given the the last minute uh, circumstances causing them to have to do an, an unplugged set. Well, it wasn't really unplugged. I mean, they they some of them were plugged. Uh, I mean, there was. A partially plugged set. It was a drum. It was a drummerless set. Unfortunately, uh, their poor drummer uh, got food poisoning uh, that that day, and uh, kind of at the last minute was like, "I can't do it, guys. I'm sorry." <laughs> no, you don't want to shit yourself on a live stream. <laughs> no, especially not, especially not in my house. Um, <laughs> but uh, that would only happen in Syracuse. I, That's a callback to we've we've talked about two bands that someone has shit themselves on stage. In Syracuse, we have, we have. I forget what the other one was. One was Monine. Okay, I forget <laughs> when uh, when Josh Grossman joined us to talk about MXBX. Uh, he told us a story about somebody shooting themselves. Oh, all right. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I remember <laughs> that now. All right. Well, luckily, no one shit themselves, as far as I know, uh, uh, on the left of the dial uh, live stream last night. Now, for for us, for Caleb and I here, it's it's last night. For you, the listener, it happened about a week ago. Um, if you didn't catch it, uh, don't worry. Do not panic. Uh, we have you covered. If you go to leftofthedial.live right now, go ahead, type it in. Type Unless you're driving, in which case you can wait till you get where you're going. Um, yeah, please don't. Please don't type it in right now if you're driving, because that's like, it's not worth it. Um, but uh, go ahead, go to leftofthedial.live. That'll take you to our YouTube channel. And uh, I don't know if it'll be up by the time this podcast comes out, but if you subscribe, and mm-hmm. I highly recommend that you do, mm-hmm. uh, you will be notified as soon as we post the actual, like, nicely edited, produced version of the session on our YouTube channel. Uh, and you can catch the beautiful songs that Riverby played for us in a very special unplugged acoustic uh drummerless version that was uh 
you know, they they took a they took what was a bummer of a situation and they made it something magical and special. And I'm very grateful that that they were our first band to to be part Me of too. our Left at the Dial live series. And you may be saying your first band, well, does that mean you're gonna do more? Mm. Does it, it? It does. We're gonna do more. Good. We I'm are glad. currently talking to some more bands uh in the Philadelphia area. If you yourself listening to this are a band in the Philadelphia area or can get to the Philadelphia area safely, uh emphasis on safely. We're we're doing very strict COVID protocols for this uh this particular project for now until uh till we get some more vaccinations out there in the world. But uh if you are in a band or if you're a musician an artist and, and you want to do a live stream uh, session with us, uh, come, come find me, hit me up, uh, email me, uh, hit us up on Twitter, on Instagram, just get a hold of us somehow. And, uh, we will talk to you. We would love to have you in the studio. Um, but all that said, uh, we're not here to spend an hour talking about the live stream. Uh, Even though we probably could, we, but we, won't. we probably could, but man, it was so good. It, it was really was so much, you know, this is the first time I've seen live music like in front of me in over a year. And it felt so good. I bet. I bet. I've watched some other live streams, uh, some from uh, various artists that we've had on the, the show throughout the last year, but uh, I can't wait for the opportunity to, to be there in person myself. I'm, I'm very jealous. Yeah. I, I can't wait for you to be here too. It's going to be so nice. Uh, but anyway, all that being said, Previously on Left of the Dial. <laughs> nice. Caleb, uh, that was a uh, a reference to our other podcast, Set Condition One, which we just got done recording an episode of. So if you uh, if you like what Caleb and I bring to the table, but you think, you know what? I really want less music and more science fiction. And also, if there was a third person to kind of balance you two chuckle fucks out, uh, you might want to head over to set condition one throughout the podcast.com or just search, search for set condition one in the podcatcher of your choice and check out our Battlestar Galactica podcast, set condition one. Uh, and if you do that, then the joke I just made will make much more sense. And our, uh, our third co-host Andrea sounds a lot like the version of me. That's super into fallout boy. That is, that is correct. Also shout out to Andrea <laughs> who is helping us produce the left of the dial live series. We could not have made that happen without her. Uh, and just too many, too many jobs to name. Uh, she kind of does it all, and uh, we're super lucky to have her here with us mm-hmm. on uh, on these crazy journeys that we uh, keep partaking. Anyway, I have rambled enough, Caleb. Yes, you have picked a record this week, and you're going to tell us all about it right now while I take a drink of water because I've been talking for a super long time without a break. That's great, because I've had a cup of tea that I've been sipping on this whole time. I know, I've been uh, jealous. Yes. This week, I picked the record New Ruins by The Kid Crash, a, a release from 2004, uh, coincidentally the same time that Battlestar Galactica was re-released. Uh, Conspiracy? Or coincidence? Mm, no. You decide. Coincidence. It, it you decide. Okay. Uh, and what you heard coming into uh, the episode today, uh, assuming you started at the beginning, uh, was the track, Your Valley is Our Volcano. Uh, which is the the first track. Now, I am all sorts of excited for this episode for for so so many reasons. Um, the first of which being, uh, we we've talked numerous times in the past about how Jimmy Eat World is my favorite band, and uh, at least a couple times about how Clarity is my favorite record of all time. Sorry, I thought it was Fall Out Boy. 
No, no, Jimmy she, Rowe. Oh. Who am I Definitely. thinking of? I don't know. The other Caleb? The other Caleb. Oh, okay. Um, but this record, New Ruins by the Kid Crash, is easily a very close second for me. This is oh, wow. in my, my top records of all time uh, and has been since the, the very first time that I heard it back in 2004, uh, a story which I will tell momentarily. Uh, but I... I love this record so much, start to finish. There's not a bad record or a bad song on it, so uh, picking tracks would have been surprisingly difficult. Except there's a story behind the uh, the, the tracks that I picked as well. Um, but yeah, so you just heard track number one. Your valley is our volcano, uh, and you are uh, lucky in that in order to uh, to listen to this uh, record, uh, you don't do not have to. Uh, go and listen to a bunch of jank, low-quality YouTube rips, uh, as I was going to point you to in the show notes, uh, had I not just right before, immediately before recording, checked uh, streaming services once more, just just on the off chance. I swear I did this yesterday, and this record wasn't there, uh, but it is there today, so you can listen to this on your streaming service of choice, and oh boy, does that, does that make me very happy. Um, I used to have a, a copy of this record on CD, um, and I, with all of my CDs, they've gone by the wayside. I, I no longer have it. Uh, but you know, with the advent of streaming, it's like, Hey, no worries. I can listen to it whenever I want. Uh, but then one day their stuff was just gone, just gone from everywhere. You couldn't, you couldn't listen to it at all. Uh, as it turns out, Kid Crash had a dispute with their, their record company and, as uh, part of them uh, apparently winning the dispute, they got all of their music just pulled from everywhere. And like, you know what? Mm-hmm. Fuck it. It's not available anywhere. And then uh, turned around and uh, redeployed it, so to speak, for, for free. Now, uh, for the longest time, that took the form of some people had ripped it and it was just available on YouTube playlists. There's a, uh, a rip of the entire record start to finish, which... Uh, is very cool, but only if you're dedicated to listening to the whole thing in one sitting mm-hmm. uh, and with no track delineation. Uh, and then there was a, a bunch that were uh, just separate, and those were of varying quality. And uh, it was actually from a playlist of those YouTube videos that I was pulling my track selection. And it turns out of the nine songs uh, on the record, only seven were still available in that playlist. And from that, I picked my top six. And so that was the very scientific way that I selected these songs. Nice. <laughs> now, I am also very glad to hear that this is now back on streaming services. In fact, I, I confirmed it's also on Apple Music, not just Spotify. Hooray. Um, so I can listen to it without having to open Spotify, which always makes me happy. Um, and uh, I, I'm stoked about that for two reasons. One, I don't want to listen to low-quality YouTube rips. Ever I don't want you to have to anything. I'm I appreciate that, but also, uh, I am very happy that I don't have to try to make a podcast out of low quality YouTube rips <laughs> because as soon as you posted in our Slack channel about uh, not being able to find it and having to use low quality YouTube rips, I was like, how the fuck am I going to make this sound good on a podcast? Oh, don't make me do this. And then in that in and you know what, everything's fine. It all worked out. All will be well. Um, yeah, I, like I wanted to still do it because of the the story behind 
uh, not only the the release and the the unrelease and the re-release and whatnot of this record, uh, but also you know how much I, I love it and whatnot. Uh, but I was also super hesitant because I'm like, this is going to be really shitty to have to do, and it's not going to sound good. But uh, as you said, it all worked out. Um, a recurring theme on this record is very much like taking a dig at the scene. Uh, and so like this, this record, as we said, was released in 2004, so probably mostly written uh, and recorded in like 2003-ish, so very much in the rise of like indie and emo and pop punk and whatnot, and uh, very much in the rise of like the hot topic generation and whatnot. MySpace, uh, so perhaps? MySpace, exactly, exactly. Uh, and so this this record as a whole takes a lot of digs at that scene. You can you can tell that uh, these kids they were they were very young at the time. I forget exactly how young. I think I think they were out of high school, but they might have been like right at the very end. I, I don't remember for sure. Um, but they were young enough that I in my <laughs> late thirties feel comfortable referring to them as kids. Uh, they they very much felt not a part of that scene, and it comes through in the lyrics and. I particularly love uh, some of the lyrics on this uh, this track that call that out. Uh, we've heard that with a little work, your cathartic verse will rid the world of pain. Scream your words in their cars and help them figure out who they really are and blame their fathers. Damn. The lies you wrote. <laughs> yes, exactly. The lies you wrote have become anthems, how they mend their broken hearts. And the lines you stole from storybooks that choke in your voice, how it sells them every word of it. And, uh, oh my God, it's, it's ads from fucking genius lyrics. That's what's happening. They autoplay and the audio starts. Ah, (laughs) it's fucking driving me nuts. Um, like they end the the track with the line, cause you're a hit in the shopping malls. You're the shit that makes us all want to (laughs) quit. It's so like bitter and stinging and I love it. (laughs) And like, you know, I, I was already fairly well into my my musical career when this record came out, uh, and then of course it only like I only got more cantankerous as time went on. Uh, so the song resonated more and more with me all the time. <laughs> so Kitsy, I'm I'm curious. You, um, I was a little bit bummed that you didn't have a chance to listen to this in advance, but I'm also a little bit happy because you got a chance to listen to them at, at better quality than the, the shitty YouTube riffs. Uh, and I'm curious what your initial impression is from having uh, listened to this track for the first time, which is exciting for me to share this with you. Okay, I will take you through my thoughts as they happened as I went through this track. And I'm going to stick to the first minute or so of the track. That's fair. Because that's when most of my thoughts happened. So my first thought was, oh, yeah, this sounds like a record Caleb would be into. <laughs> and uh, that went on to, 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 to just to kind of cement that in my head. I was like, it's kind of a little mathy, but not inaccessibly so. And it uh, kind of reminds me of Minus the Bear a little bit. Oh, all right. All uh, right. Especially earlier Minus the Bear, uh, which I know you love. So, mm-hmm. again, sounds like a record Caleb would like. And hang on. Is this an instrumental? This is going on very long without vocals. <laughs> did did Caleb trick me into listening to an instrumental record? That would be fun. Oh, no. They're, they're the vocals. Okay. They just take a really long time to start. Don't bore us. Get to the chorus. 
and then I just started jamming out and enjoying the song. So that's uh, those are my thoughts. Those are my my first impressions of Your Valley is Our Volcano. That's fair. I, I think that those are appropriate first impressions. And that said, I actually want to dive right into uh, track two, Until the Light Kills the Film. Your heart
so hey, a song that starts with lyrics right away. More, uh, yeah. more my speed. I like it. <laughs> it. It really is like it's like one beat in. Yeah, uh, and I, I was kind of kind of holding that when you were talking about how the, the the first track takes a while to to get into, knowing that the second one is boom. Um, and I also think that that's kind of interesting because um, I I really haven't listened to much of their other stuff. They um, the, this band was from Santa Fe, New Mexico. Uh, they eventually moved up to the Pacific Northwest. I think they were in the, the Seattle area for a while, although uh, there's some indication that maybe they moved to Portland. Maybe I'm just conflating the, the two. I really don't remember the whole storyline. This was years and years ago. Um, but uh, after moving, they I feel like they, they didn't put out anything for a while, and then the next thing that I they heard them released uh, was still like kind of mathy, techy guitars, but like... Uh, much less polish uh, and significantly fewer vocals, and most of those vocals were were screaming. It was just it was kind of kind of noise shit, uh, which surprisingly, given that you know that I'm into the, the noise shit, uh, I, I didn't really get into the rest of it. And I think that is more of a commentary on how much I love this record and less on like the quality or, or caliber of the later stuff that they wrote. Fair. Uh, this honestly is probably the first time that we've reviewed a record where I've been a little bit nervous that the band might hear it because I think we strongly disagree on this record. I think from what, everything that I've read that they basically hate it uh, and I love it and I don't want them to be like, this fucking poser likes our old shit. <laughs> Well, I can um, I can mediate because I'm kind of right in the middle. It's that's fair. I don't love it, don't hate it. So I mean, so far I've only heard two songs, so we'll see. The jury's still <laughs> out, but so far my impression is like, eh, it's music. Um, this track "Until the Light Kills the Film." Um, there's a lot of really great noodly dueling guitar shit on this song. Yes, there uh, is that I fucking love, and that. Uh, in the last couple of times I've listened to it, I've not been able to hear because these headphones are giving me a mono signal. Uh, and I cannot stress this enough. Do not listen to this record on mono. Uh, you will miss out on so much of what makes it brilliant. Well, <laughs> it's really bumming me out right now. <laughs> I am glad I did not listen in mono because, uh, yeah, there's a lot, I am too. there's a lot going on. They, they do make some good use of the stereo spectrum, uh, especially with their dueling guitar parts. Yeah, like there's uh, there's really cool parts uh, where it kind of like slows everything down and quiet sound and like they're kind of trading off parts and then it like goes back into this big pop, 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 pop that I just, I get so pumped up by. I really, I do love this this song. I love this record so it's, much. Yeah, it's a good, uh, it's a good song, you know? So I first, uh, first met this band and, uh, when they were in the studio recording this, actually, oh. uh, we were passing through Eudora, Kansas, uh, on tour, and uh, stopped by the. Uh, I think at this point it had been renamed to the Black Lodge, the originally the Red House Studio, uh, to uh, have a chat with Ed Rose, where uh, you know, we recorded the first two long since forgotten records with him. We get it, you uh, know Ed Rose. Quit bragging. I mean, I don't think he remembers me fondly, but. <laughs> Caleb, does anyone uh, remember actually, you fondly? I probably not. I, I would be shocked <laughs> otherwise. Um, uh, I mean, that's kind of my mo. Um, but that actually leads into this story pretty well uh, because 
uh, these young ones uh, were there working on this record, and uh, Ed had just happened to uh, have enough done that he he bounced me a, a copy. Uh, you know, they they wanted us to to be able to hear. I I can't remember honestly if they knew who uh, we were. That's really not important uh, to the story. But I, I know that there was a reason why they're like, oh yeah, here's a copy of our record. You should listen to it. Uh, and Ed gave us a copy, and uh, it kind of just de facto became mine. And nice. when I say that I had a, a CD copy of this record, that's what I'm referring to. I never actually bought a copy. I just had that original bounce directly from the studio forever. Um, and uh, later on, uh, <laughs> we would be back in, in that studio, and uh, Ed would tell us a story of recording this. Uh, and you listen to it, and like the, there's a lot of, like you said, mathy shit. There's some dueling guitars, the bass. There's a lot of movement to it. It's not you know overly complex, but it's it's you know, pretty, uh, pretty well rounded. Carries a, carries each song pretty well, uh, and I think the drums are executed pretty well. I think they're, they're pretty solid on the, this record. Honestly, I would I would agree. They sound great. Yeah. If you've ever heard me use the phrase, "You think your bag of tricks is this big, but it's really this big," uh, that comes directly from a story that Ed told us about recording the drums for this record, <laughs> where. <laughs> Apparently the uh, the drummer tried to do a little too much and wasn't wasn't pulling it off. And Ed is not known for uh, ex- an excess of patience. It's not that he's not a patient man. Uh, it's just that he only has so much time for your shit uh, before he he has something to say about it. And <laughs> apparently that was something that he said. Whether or not that's a true story, I don't know. Don't at me, uh, especially if you're the the drummer and you remember this differently. I also have memories of recording with Ed. Uh, that I can recount that maybe he remembers differently. That's not the point. It's just a funny story. That is a funny story. <laughs> and it gave me one of my favorite sayings uh, ever to use when when people are fucking up. <laughs> I, uh, I am now going to look for an excuse to use that in the studio. <laughs> when someone's like really like trying to pull off this like Phil Collins, like crazy, insane uh, Neil Pert shit, but like... They're better off just sticking to a straight four four rock beat. Like, you think your bag of tricks is this big? <laughs> I need a little uh, less Neil Pert, a little more whatever the drummer's name from ACDC is. Yes. Oh God. Yes. Um, so uh, I, I think that that leads directly back into the the story of the uh, fight that the Kid Crash had with their record label. Uh, it's hard to find a definitive version of this, like from the, the mouths of the band, uh, but various uh, scene blogs and reviews and shit like that from uh, across the years uh, make reference to the, the label demanding more, uh, more polish and more shine uh, and the band not wanting that. And, it all kind of it it fits with knowing what I know of what came out of that recording session that produced this, in my opinion, like fantastic record, uh, and then hearing what their later stuff sounded like, uh, I get the impression that what they really wanted to make was the the music that they made years later, mm. and what came out was what Ed made and what the the label wanted to hear. Uh, and so I, I can very much understand why there would be some some enmity there and a lack of desire to to have this just out there available for for anyone or at least for the label to be making money on it from the band's perspective. 
But before we go into the the, the break, uh, of course, there, there's one more track that I want to discuss in this half, and that's the uh, the title track, uh, which, as title tracks go, uh, shares the title of the record, New Ruins. Is that why they call it the title track? It is. It is. It's crazy, right? Oh, I didn't know. Which, I largely like the uh, the imagery on. I mean, I, I, I like... I, I cannot remember any of the members of this band's names, and I, I feel bad about that, but it's also been a very long time. Uh, but I like the way that they, they write, uh, and it's not necessarily that it's the most profound, and in fact, there's a lot of teenage angst, and we already talked about, like, you know, fuck the scene sort of shit on here. But I also really like, because there's a lot that feels more grown up than this band actually was. Um, and there's also a, a really interesting theme of certain lyrics and certain lines being like reused in different contexts throughout the record. Uh, and you know, I love a good callback. Mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. that. So <laughs> you know, it's a, it's a fairly high energy song that uh, again, has more of the, the noodling dual guitars and tempo shifts and dynamics. But I also love that it ends with this like quiet, picky, like twinkly part that builds, 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 builds stairway to nowhere. Yep. <laughs> that is uh that is one of your favorite uh musical devices i'd have to think about it more but i think this might be the oldest example of a stairway to nowhere that i can remember and not necessarily like oldest is in like literally like the first time someone wrote one but like oldest is in this is the first time i can remember experiencing one okay so this was like your your introduction to the stairway to nowhere exactly and this was this is my my epiphany, my discovery of the stairway to nowhere. <laughs> nice. Uh, they also do uh, more of that really cool dueling guitar stuff in the intro. And what I like about it, a lot of times when you have a band with two guitar players, what'll happen is you'll have both guitar players record a rhythm track. Like each, they'll each record a rhythm track and that'll get panned mm -hmm. like left and right. Sometimes that'll even be doubled for each one. So they'll be like, you know, panned slightly left and right and then hard left and right. Um, mm -hmm. And then they'll record their lead parts over top of that, so the rhythm track stays consistent throughout. It's a very common thing. Um, also very common in bands only have one guitar player, where the guitar player will record a rhythm track and then a lead track over that so that the rhythm doesn't drop out when they play lead. Yeah. What I like about this, I haven't spent enough time with this record up yet, obviously, to, to know if they do this all the time, but at least in this intro, they actually have the guitar players going back and forth between rhythm and lead. Yes. Like in, like, it's not, it, I mean, they might be separate tracks. I don't know, but you know, you'll, you hear the rhythm guitar switching back and forth between sides, uh, kind of against the lead parts. So it's actually more like how I would assume they do it live, uh, which is really cool. Cause you don't get that often in, in records. Um, yeah, and so I, I that kind of grabbed me right away. I was like, "That's actually a really cool choice." I'm really glad that you pointed that out. That was something that I wanted to talk about, and uh, in all of the the flood of uh, factoids and anecdotes and whatnot, I had uh, skipped over. Um, but yeah, that uh, I, I only got to see them perform once, but that that's kind of how they they did it live, and that's always how I listen to this record uh, is. Like they, they each, they, they trade off on their parts and it weaves together so well, like yeah. the, this musical dance. Um, and there's only been like a couple of other times that I've seen or heard bands do that. And there's, there's another one 
from pretty very much the the same era uh, that I don't think I'll be able to to locate. So we'll probably never be able to cover on the podcast. But they were from uh, Sioux Falls, South Dakota, called Billy. Uh, or later when they, they released the record, it was as Billy Music. Um, but they did that as well, where they would have these like big, huge, like dueling guitar lead parts, but uh, they would trade off doing the rhythm while the other did the lead and then back and forth. And it just created this really awesome dynamic. Uh, and, you know, they had slightly different tones and slightly different playing styles. Uh, and they played leads that, if played together, would harmonize. But then, like you play them separately, and they're like they're distinct, and like I, I just think that that's really cool, especially because uh, I can't play guitar that well, so <laughs> I wouldn't be able to replicate that. And I listen to them like this is really cool, and like some of the, that type of stuff uh, later did inspire some of the way that we wrote a, a few of the lead parts on uh, some of the long since stuff, and so like you know we, we you know carry some of that forward. And I always think that's really cool. That is really cool. Why don't we go ahead and hear uh, new ruins and. Uh, then uh, hear from our, our our sponsor this week. Let's do that. Whoever that whoever that happens to be. I wonder wonder who it might be. That's <laughs> probably us. Stay tuned.
And I'm here with a brand new show called Fight Jokes About Everything. Every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, we're going to bring up a brand new topic, something that's hot on the internet because because I live on the internet. And we're going to take those silly things and we're going to joke about them. And we're going to, you know, talk a little bit about the history of them and talk about why the internet is such a terrible but wonderful place. So please join me every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday for this brand new Night Shift Radio original. For more information, go to nightshiftradio.com. And of course, subscribe wherever you get podcasts. Hi, I'm Sarah Sweeney, host of the new podcast, Latchkey Kids. Right now, we're all at home left to our own devices without any adult supervision. Each weekish, I'll talk to my fellow Latchkey Kids about what they're up to, how they're wasting time, and, because I can, make them perform a dramatic reading of a TV show theme song. So join me wherever you get your podcasts. Mindless monsters, once thought human, fill the streets. A corrupt government threatens the lives of the people it's meant to serve. This sounds a little too familiar. Is this real life? Or a video game you can play for fun? Shift Talk Q, Night Shift Radio's newest original production, is your LGBTQ centered source for creative and thoughtful discussions and news at the intersection of gaming, diversity, and community. You can expect unboxings, game reviews, let's plays, community nights, celebrations of what video games are doing right, critical conversations about where the gaming industry needs to do better, and so much more. Be the first to know when new episodes drop by following us on Twitter and Instagram at NSR Shift Alt Q. And on Twitch at Shift Alt Q to join the community. For more information about Shift Alt Q, visit nightshiftradio.com.
still listening to left of the dial i am still kitsy caleb is still uncrashable i'm just holding steady and we're still listening to uh well well we're talking we're listening and talking about uh the album new ruins by the kid crash from 2004 yeah yeah that feels like so long ago it was there are people uh who uh were born when this record came out that are in like their mid-teens now, and that's fucking weird to me. Well, now I feel old. <laughs> uh, another reason that that's relevant is uh, I only got a chance to see this band live once. Uh, I, I mentioned in the, the first half the, the story about how I met them uh, outside the studio in Kansas. Uh, but as I said, this band is from Santa Fe, New Mexico. And I think it was on the, the very next tour through, somehow we managed to get a hold of them and booked a show with them in Santa Fe, you know, hometown show for them. And it was in this little, uh, I don't remember exactly what the venue is, but I remember it as like a coffee shop slash gallery. Uh, but I also think they sold drugs there. Whoa. But like, I don't know for sure. But I think they did. Uh, anyway, it was you know like small space, like right in uh, felt like right in the, the city. I didn't spend so long; I don't really fucking remember. But 
cool little spot. Just, you know, small crowd, but like real good response. Everybody was great. And this band, like I fucking loved seeing them live. And, you know, you get a chance to see one of your, your favorite bands in that kind of a, a venue. It's, it's neat. Um, and of course we, we stayed in Santa Fe that night. Uh, and it's just, it's one of the most surreal experiences of my life. Like, I don't know a lot about Santa Fe, but it's high desert town. Like feels like legitimately middle of nowhere. And I remember going to this house party after the show where it felt like every kid between the ages of like 15 and 25 was there. <laughs> and it's just like, I don't, I don't know if I fit in with anyone here, um, but it, it was neat. But this, I, I mentioned uh, in talking about the, the previous track, how there's some imagery that carries uh, around through uh, from track to track. Uh, and there's a line in particular in uh, New Ruins where they say, you know, uh, what the city would like would look like if we set it all on fire. Uh, and then they follow up with this song that is all about burning down the town. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think that their angst went uh, beyond the scene uh, at that point. I think th- there's probably a reason that they uh, they went all the way up to the Pacific Northwest and couldn't wait to get the fuck out of Santa Fe. Uh, obviously, again, I don't know the whole story, but it, it definitely feels like they had their reasons. Um, but, <laughs> um, it, it, it opens with the lines, Tonight we watch the city glow. With the power off, nobody knows why we did it. And if they did, they'd realize they're not victims, just witnesses. <laughs> <laughs> but again, more just like fantastic guitar work that I don't get to hear until I listen on a different device. Uh, but hopefully you got to hear. I did. There's a track on this record that very much stands out from the rest. Like Most of these are, are pretty big like rock jams. Mm-hmm. Lots of shredding guitars. Mm-hmm. And whatnot, some some octave chords. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's one that's a little bit of a ballad that I want to talk about because I uh, it always stands out to me. It's one of my favorites on on the record, uh, and that's track number six called "The Afterburn of Being Born."
this is a song that musically makes me think of I don't know if you're familiar with the the track from the the first long since record uh that's called uh, some sort of meaning yeah musically makes me think of if there was a band with more talent that decided to write and perform that song okay because <laughs> it's basically the same progression um but they're like the dueling guitars like the they're like leads full of movement and whatnot are, are very much on display here. Um, as is the gorgeous old piano from the, the Black Lodge studio uh, that gets, uh, gets its time to shine in the, the second half of the track, uh, which this is the shortest song on the record at three minutes, 16 seconds. They, for the most part, didn't write particularly short songs, uh, which I thought was kind of interesting. They're not like long, but they're between this one and like one that's a little over five minutes. Uh, so for a rock record of the time, they they were they were putting the effort in, yeah, and I respect that. Um, but the music here really kind of takes a step back and lets the uh, the vocals be a little bit more introspective, which I think is neat. And this is one where I say, uh, while there's some kind of teenage angst throughout the the track, this one has a bit more of the. Uh, bit more of the maturity that I always saw in uh, some of these lyrics, uh, more so than maybe some of the other tracks. Um, in lines like, under each foot you lay in over space, there's a grave of something, an idea, a best friend, everything that's seen its end. And tonight you feel so alive. Do you realize that when you lie and look at the stars, they've already burned out? So catch your breath and breathe now while you can. Now, I think scientifically... Uh, that might be somewhat inaccurate. I, I feel like I, I've heard that that's uh, a fallacy. That's like, oh, all the light you see is from stars that have that have already died. Because um, I guess it really depends on how far away the stars are. But it's still beautiful imagery. It is beautiful imagery, and it's it's yeah, it's not a hundred percent accurate. Uh, you know, some of the stars that we see have already burned out. Not all of them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But yeah, it's, it's it's really interesting to to picture and. Yeah, you can you can imagine laying out on a uh, a quiet uh, desert night, and looking up at the stars, and and being uh, being thoughtful about that. Um, but I particularly love the the second half where he says, "You said if I could befriend a thousand cancers, if the things that could be ki- that could that killed could be cured, then I would live forever. There'd be no death, there'd be no birth." And I said, "Resurrect the dead in your head and ask them about heaven." You said you already did. And they told you there's not one at all. Nothing to do but haunt where you walk. <laughs> Oof. Yeah. And it, just, it ends with that, like, one last piano note. And <laughs> it's, it's haunting. And in the middle of this, like, otherwise big rock angsty record, uh, this track is, like, it just shines so much. And I, just, I get chills every time I hear it. It's, uh, it's a good one. It's... Definitely, if you're a fan of, I don't know why I'm saying this as if the people who are listening haven't already heard the song, because we've certainly already played it by now, but uh, if you're a fan of like pretty twinkly guitars, this is, uh, this is the song for you. I mean, I do love some pretty twinkly guitars. Uh, you know I do too. I, I enjoyed this one quite, quite a bit more than the others, uh, for sure, for that reason specifically. And I also feel like, given the little bit I know about the direction that their music took, uh, this would be a particularly controversial one uh, for for me to uh, reveal to the band how much I love. Uh, and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they love this song as well, but I would guess probably not. 
but this is absolutely right in my wheelhouse. <laughs> well, there's only one way to find out. Make up a story in my head and never ask. That's the way I do things. <laughs> uh, but seriously, uh, folks from the, the Kid Crash, if you ever do happen to hear this, uh, get at me because it's been fucking years. And first of all, virtual high five. And second of all, uh, whatever your thoughts on this record are, you still have a bunch of uh, big fans out there uh, in the internet land. And you know, take that for whatever it's worth. You are a bunch of big fans? I well, I am personally a bunch of big fans, uh, rather than uh, I'm, I'm a bunch of big fans in a human suit. That's why I blow so much hot air. Um, oh, uh, that all makes sense. <laughs> it all makes sense. Uh, but uh, there are like whenever I would try to search for this record, which is numerous times throughout the years, uh, I come across uh, forums of people uh, also searching for. Uh, so, like some just wanting the, the tracks in any form whatsoever, uh, some being disappointed in the, the low quality rips that were out there. Uh, and then of course on the, the YouTube videos that I had found, there's, you know, strings of comments about how people love this band and how they were favorite and whatnot. And so like, it's proof, like sometimes good music just doesn't die. Well, as, uh, I believe, Tim Armstrong of Rancid once said, uh, through music, we can live forever. Look at that. I agree. Yeah. I agree. Uh, and as we uh, approach the end of this record, we're, we'll, we'll go from the, the shortest song to the longest, as uh, it's kind of fun to do. Uh, we're going to jump all the way to the, the last track, The Drowning Swan's Song. You know... There are moments when this band reminds me of a different band. Oh. And that band was called Breaking Pangea. Oh, Breaking Pangea was so fucking good. Right? <laughs> uh, I may have gotten lost in the Breaking Pangea Wikipedia page uh, while we were listening <laughs> to this this last That's song totally here. understandable. Uh, because uh, I realized that I, uh, other than... Um, other than owning and loving uh, Cannon to a Whisper and seeing them once in a fire hall in Mechanicsburg, Pennsylvania, uh, back in probably 2003 or four, um, I didn't really know anything about this band. And uh, anyway, we're not here to talk about Breaking Pangea. We're here to talk about the Kid Crash. Maybe we will do uh, Cannon to a Whisper on a, an upcoming episode. We should. I didn't realize they were from Philly. I didn't either. You should see if you can get them back together. I well, I think I think the one the guitar player is now in Taking Back Sunday, or was for a while. Really? Yeah. Hmm. If you look at their Wikipedia article, he uh, he left the band uh, to join uh, Taking Back Sunday as a guitarist. I've got a bad feeling about this. No, it's a joke. It's it's referencing Taking Back Sunday. I know. <laughs> I've seen that look before, and it's pure disappointment. <laughs> sure is. Anyway, um, yeah, this song, this, uh, this especially, just the, it's there. Every now and then, I just I pick up some Breaking Pangea vibes, uh, specifically for the, the the way the rhythm section uh, operates in this band. 
that yeah there's there's a lot of groove to this track in particular and it's this i i don't say this lightly when i say that this is one of my favorite songs of all time that, that like, is a, that a hell of a statement to make it's, you know I, I also I don't make statements like that often because my memory is so bad that I don't I don't remember enough of what I've heard to really rank favorites. So like whenever people are like, what are your favorite bands? What are your favorite records? Like, I don't fucking know, man. I like Jimmy Eat World, um, but I, I this is one of my top records of all times and of all time, and this is one of my top songs of all time. Uh, and I also appreciate that this is uh, about as close as at least as this record, if not, you know, the band as a whole comes to like a heartbreak song. Uh, but the imagery of this is not just like sad or lost or de- depressed or angry or whatnot, but like there's, I mean, my insides are congested and you're the wrecked car, the one that caused the traffic, a standstill that stills the movement of my heart. <laughs> like, that's like okay. I know exactly what you're saying. Yeah. Here. Uh, but in particular, like the there's also there's a, a lot of different parts and a lot of movement to this song. Uh, and towards the end, there's this where they bring it way down, and there's the the drum build, uh, and he's singing. If the idea of you and I was something more concrete, an old building, I would surely be the ivy, and I would cling to it. <laughs> and damn. Uh, yeah. And then of course the. When I dream of us, I always see pins in our necks. I see a doctor and he says, he swears we're not monsters. Oh, doctor, I beg to differ. <laughs> uh, it's it's pretty brilliant writing. Uh, and like, like that's the kind of level of like imagery and metaphor that like I would strive to if I thought that I could uh, achieve it. Um, but I don't, so I don't. <laughs> but yeah, so... There we go. I mean, that that is six out of nine tracks from uh, one of my all-time favorite records that you are hearing, Kitsy, for the, the first time. And uh, I've tricked the rest of our listeners. I would say, if you were only going to listen to one track from this record, listen to the Drowning Swan song. Uh, but I made you listen to five more first, so ha-ha! <laughs> <laughs> gotcha! <laughs> uh, Fucking but, uh, jokes like, on you, suckers. Yeah! <laughs> Got you good, you fuckers. Um, <laughs> now, like... Now that I know that this record is back on streaming services, um, I don't. I don't think it's available to purchase anywhere because um, I think that's kind of the point as far as the band's concerned. Mm-hmm. Uh, they just made it available free. Uh, but now that I know that it's available, like, listen to this record if if you were at all into this. Like, it's so good, and for this to be like 16 years old and like, or like now almost 17, really. Uh, and to still hold up this well for me, like that says a lot to me. That's something. Yeah. That's not nothing. Yeah. And uh I, I, I can read between the lines that this wasn't like you're not gonna walk away from this being uh, your new favorite. No. Uh but I, I can appreciate that there were some things about it that you enjoyed. Absolutely. And I think if I had uh I w- when this came out, I was extremely into that Breaking Pangea record I just mentioned a few minutes ago. And mm-hmm. so I think I would have liked this a lot more if I had heard it then. Um, so yeah, I think that's, uh, you know, it's one of those things where it, it, it just, it, it didn't, it didn't find me at the right time in my life where it, like, it sounds like it found you at the right time in your life. 
Absolutely. Because I, I wonder if, if you were to hear this for the first time today, if you would love it as much as you do. I think that I would just because I do still love stuff like this, but I also don't hear new stuff like this very often anymore. So like fair, fair. I don't, I don't even know if a band would make a record like this anymore. And uh, someone out there fucking prove me wrong. Show me something that sounds like this, something new that I can jam to because uh, it's hard for me to find new stuff. I like this. And so I go and listen to it. <laughs> You know, I, I I try to find as much new music as I can because, you know, I've kind of made it my personal mission with Left the Dial to, uh, you know, bring out the best in new and, you know, underground music and not try to dwell too much on old stuff. Uh, I try yeah. to focus on new stuff as much as possible. And it's exhausting trying to find <laughs> new music all the time because, like, for every... Like for every record I listen to that I bring on the podcast, there's probably four that I listen to and go, well, never going to listen to that again. Uh, there, it's, there was a, uh, a new record that I almost picked for this. Like I, I found it. I listened to the first couple of tracks. I'm like, I'm in love with this. This is awesome. Uh, and then a few days later, I went back and listened to most of the rest of the record. I'm like, this is boring. So <laughs> I did not pick that. Was it, was it the same band? No, no, it was, oh. it was something else entirely that I was like, oh, this could be a good pick for, for the next episode. And then it was not. So I'm like, well, go back to something trusty that I love. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, I, I'm grateful to have this opportunity to share uh, one of my favorites with, uh, with you and with our listeners. And uh, we mentioned a couple of times that if, if people want to... Uh, uh, reach out to us. Uh, they they could and should do that, but Kizzy, how would they do that? Uh, well, you would find your local uh, carrier pigeon dealer, mm. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and you would. Uh, no, I'm, I'm not gonna. I was gonna go through a whole thing, and I'm not gonna do it. You would I was go forward to see where you were going with that. You you would go to uh, either the Instagram or the Twitter, and you can find me at Hey Kitsy. Hey Kitsy. Hey Caleb. Uh, and you, of course, can find us at Left of the Dial PC. Uh, you know, the PC, I, I can't really stand for podcast anymore because we're not just a podcast. We've got a YouTube channel now. We're doing some live, live in studio sessions with, uh, we're starting out with Philly bands just because it's hard to travel during a pandemic and our studio's here in Philly. But, uh, you know, hopefully we'll, uh, when, when touring can kick up again, we can get some other bands in here too. But uh, you can, of course, find that at leftofthedial.live. Uh, and you can find our podcast at leftofthedial.fm, uh, where you can listen to this episode, all of our previous episodes. And uh, as long as we don't get canceled uh, by the podcast commission, uh, you will see our future episodes there as well and get uh, links to everything we've talked about. So point your web browser in that general direction and uh, and check that out. But Caleb, we, yes. did, we did this backwards. Where could they find you? Oh well, if someone wanted to find me on the uh, the internets, the interconnected network. Uh, you is find that me. what internet means? It is. It is. Huh? Uh, <laughs> uh, you could find me uh, on both, uh, as you said, the the twitters and the instagrams at uh, Caleb Micah. And uh, hey, Caleb. Hey, Kitsy. <laughs> that doesn't work as well for yours. It doesn't. And uh, I would I would change it to something like more more catchy and clever, but like. It, it has been this same thing for now 13 years and don't change it. Yeah. Like now, now why would I, um, but yeah, especially like, you know, if, if you were a fan of this record, uh, 
let me know. If you are on this record, let me know. Uh, and if you have good suggestions of stuff that you think that I would like, knowing that I love this record, let me know. Basically, let me know. Just whatever whatever you've got going on, let Caleb know. Yeah, tell me, you know, tell me all your thoughts on God. Tell me, uh, tell me what you thought about when you were gone and so alone. Uh, sorry, I, I could keep doing this, but I'm not gonna. Let uh, let him know what you had for lunch today. <laughs> Actually, yeah, give me recipes. Yeah, uh, stress relief tips are always good too. Um, mm-hmm, your mm-hmm. favorite bath bomb flavors? Uh, that's not right. Flavor, it's flavors. not flavors. <laughs> you don't eat <laughs> bath bombs. I mean. Maybe you, you do. Maybe you do. But I, 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 we here at Left of the Dial and uh, Night Shift Radio uh, do not condone the eating of bath bombs. We do not. Uh, uh, our lawyers have informed me that we do not recommend that anyone eat a bath bomb under any circumstances. Uh, I love, love the idea that that's something that our lawyers would have to inform us. <laughs> you know, it's it's wild. You you might not know this, Caleb, but every episode we record, I have a lawyer here in the room with me who uh, in real time will tell me what we can and can't say. Uh, you know, sometimes I feel like we probably should. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, thank you so much for listening. We're going to go ahead and go out on the Drowning Swan song, which is the last track off of the Kid Crash record uh, called New Ruins. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, yeah, you're going to listen to that in your ear holes, and then you're probably going to go listen to a different podcast, or maybe you're going to listen to the whole record. Who knows? I don't know what you I don't know what you do when you're done listening to our podcast. But tweet at Caleb and tell him, because he yeah, wants to know. I uh, do. Anyway, this has been Left of the Dial. I have been Kitsy. Caleb has been Coy. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll be back next week. 